Welcome to Rival Reviews. My name is Abir. And I'm Sam. And this is the podcast where we review, discuss, and ultimately debate our favorite... And don't forget our least favorite... Movies and television shows. I'm offended by the adaptation of The Hobbit into the movies. It just doesn't make any sense. You realize we have a band of dwarves and Gandalf fighting a necromancer. Like, who cares about this town? Like, can you show the movie we came to see, please? Like, why is this in the plot? Oh my god, the amount of times I was playing Pokemon Go while watching this movie was <laughs> countless. Countless. Again, expand your movie, great, but don't reuse plots we've all seen and know so well. It, it adds nothing to these movies. We're back in Middle-earth for The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. Does the second part of The Hobbit trilogy hold up as well as the first when it largely relies on material not found in the book? You won't have to wait long to find out in this episode of Rival Reviews. This was really, really far from how good the first one was and how it begins. Remind me how it begins. It actually begins with Gandalf and Thorin in Bree in The Prancing Pony. With the beginning, Gandalf meeting Thorin, love Gandalf, love his presence in all of the scenes, loved how the really creepy looking dudes who were ready to attack sort of just dissipated when Gandalf was there. And then it also makes you realize that in Lord of the Rings, when Frodo comes and says, have you seen Gandalf? He says, uh, at the Prancing Pony, the the bartender says he hasn't seen him in a very, very long time. So I'm assuming this is that time, the last time he had seen him. Yeah, that works. Yeah. I like the backstory of Thorin's father. So Thrain, um, we saw some of that in the first movie, um, but I like that he just went missing and was presumed dead. And, and, you know, Thorin doesn't believe that. I thought that was really good. I love the references to the Dwarven Rings and stuff like that is always cool. Like any kind of expansion on the, the lore of the One Ring is always cool to me. I love that Gandalf brings up Smog and talks about, he essentially alludes to the fact that He's afraid that Sauron or the darkness or whatever's out there right now will corrupt smog. And, and like, you know, and if that happens, like one of the things going into this movie and the first one that I was trying to remember was like, why does Gandalf care about the dwarves finding their home more than just being a good guy? And like then being reminded that, oh, yeah, if they if evil gets a hold of smog, it's all over. There's nothing they can do about it then. Yeah, exactly. And the dragon tends to be in it for himself. Like so long as there's gold and there's destruction really, then he's okay with it. Um, And that's like prime territory for Sauron to, to breed on. So yeah, he would have definitely been used in the wars against the good peeps or our version of the good peeps at least. Yeah, I mean the good ones. The only downside to the intro is of course... The return of our friend Azog. Yeah, I really, really don't enjoy his storyline. I think we mentioned that last time. I don't think he adds anything to this movie whatsoever. Yeah. So like they really built him up 
in the first one and then they got to a point where it looked like he was going to exact his revenge on Thorin and then you get through this entire movie and he's got like someone he's asked to work on his behalf. Yeah. (laughs) So that's odd. And like, I get it. He's doing at this point in time, the necromancer's bidding, but it's just really dislike any of his appearance. He just added nothing to this movie. Nothing. Yeah, it really didn't make any sense. Like it's, it's slightly skipping ahead when we say this, but uh, Bolg, I think his name, B-O-L-G, is, oh, is yeah. the work that that he likes, uh, his lieutenant or something. I don't know. He basically just replaces Azog's role in this movie, though, of chasing them down. And yeah. It's just it's so pointless. Like, just keep using him. You already made this guy up in the last movie to have this antagonist. Like, why are you making another one and then having this one do nothing? Yeah, I just, I don't get it. We like you already have. I mean, they they took a lot of creative freedom with I'd the say. movies, and I would say that his story didn't pay off. Like this is one of those storylines that I'm like, eh, about. It's a lot of this movie, though. It's a lot of like stuff in the middle that doesn't really have a payoff. Yeah, and there's more like the later on in this movie that I'll bring up, but. It's just like you you really didn't need to make this addition. No, I mean, there are parts I like, but overall it's so it's it's expanded on in all the ways I didn't want it to be expanded on. That yeah. was the problem with this one versus the first. And I don't remember the third one that well at this point, but at least the first one expanded in the most of the right spots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say in 4K, which again is the versions I'm watching for this, it is pretty gorgeous. This one for sure looked really good, especially the beginning when they're running to Bayorn's house and it's like, you know, vibrant green and these cool bumblebee effects everywhere and stuff like that. Like it looked really good. Yeah. So what did you think of Bayorn? Like that's kind of the scene right after this, that the dwarves are escaping the orcs right at the beginning and they run to Bayorn's house. Love that scene. Thought it was really cool. Uh, thought uh, Bayon's really cool. Love how he was portrayed. Uh, love that he's so big, like so giant. Yeah. And uh, thought it was thought it was a good scene. Could have done without because he didn't really do anything in the moment. Thought he was a great character that was underutilized. That's what it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they reference him being on guard and the orcs won't come near him because he's yeah. so powerful. But you're right, we don't even get a fight scene with him, no. which is really kind of a waste if you're going to set that up. If you're going to have these orcs chasing them, you might as well do that. I mean, if you're taking so much creative freedom with it, right. you may as well do something interesting. That's true. I did like the scene where the dwarves are being introduced to him. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That was funny. Yeah, there's a lot of levity in them, which is awesome. So, uh, right, I think during that scene, uh, we get to see um, Dol Gudur again, which is like the necromancer's fort in Mirkwood. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. get a bit of a tease on the necromancer. We don't get to see much yet. Um, this is actually when we first see Bolg. Yeah. Which is Isog's lieutenant of an orc, whatever. I did like Gandalf also being afraid of Bayorn. That was, he was actually really afraid of Bayorn, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see fear in... Gandalf a couple times actually in this movie like nervousness yeah. and fear you know whereas like something in Lord of the Rings he was more wise he was very resilient very like strong but you still saw uh I guess emotion in him like 
things may end or, you know, sadness and whatnot. But I, I feel like you can see he's younger here and his experiences are slightly different. And I also find that Gandalf has a lot of respect for all the different species um, and, and uh, you know, beings that exist. So it doesn't surprise me that he is afraid. He's never met him either. And you're always afraid of the unknown. I think too, you touched on that really well. And actually we brought, uh, we brought this up in the first review, I think, uh, but Gandalf being more um, fearful in this one, more cautious almost. And I would say, I don't want to say confident in, in fellowship and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think the difference is in Lord of the Rings, you've got Aragorn, you've got Legolas, you've got Samwise to an extent, Gimli. Yeah. Uh, and Frodo, but I'd say a bunch of people who are quite strong-willed and capable of doing the right thing. And Gandalf knows that in Lord of the Rings. He can rely on those people. So even when he gets separated from them, he kind of, he has confidence that, you know, Aragorn's with the Fellowship. Yeah. Um, if he, if he fall, when he does fall, actually, you know, that that's at least that. And I think in this one, he has no idea what Thorin's going to actually do. Bilbo is just a hobbit learning, like, you know, he's got a good feeling, but we don't know yet if Bilbo can do anything. So I think it's that, right? It's a lot of him not having the confidence in these people yet because they haven't proven themselves or they don't have the confidence in them in themselves yet. Yeah. Or maybe some of them have too much confidence. And I guess this is That's true. going toward the dwarves, for example, and Thorin. So I feel like, yeah. So like with, with this one specifically, there's too much confidence and it's starting to, to blind him. Yeah, I also like the references to Angmar in this movie. There's yes. a couple um, great scenes they talk about it. I believe the next movie, there is a part where they're kind of near Angmar. I always love that, just as a fan of Lord of the Rings and the lore and knowing that the North and Angmar had such a strong role to play while everything else was going on, but we don't really see that in the movies, and rightfully so. Like, there's no time yeah. in Lord of the Rings to show that, but I love that. I love when they can... That's, like, a good use of expanding the time in this trilogy, like show us more of that, talk more about where these creatures are coming from yeah. and what, why this necromancer is tied to that. Yeah. You know, th there's material there that they're using well. Yeah, I think they did that really well. And like the, how they portray, and I mean, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself and I want to make sure I don't, but how they portray um, the Witch King of Angmar and like um, the Nine Men. That was really cool. There's nine of them, right? Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah definitely not. I was like nine went to men. Yeah, the yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, there's definitely a lot of weaving between Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, different to the way that it was in the book, because the book didn't yeah. really go into this the same way. Um, so they they definitely put a lot of effort into weaving that. I uh, still think they could have done it better because they didn't need to have all these additions to actually make a good story. And I think we mentioned last time, I wish they'd go into the background more. So what did you think about Mirkwood then? They start they head into Mirkwood and Gandalf leaves them at this point uh, as we talk about Angmar. Actually, uh, Galadriel telepathically speaks to him to talk about Angmar and, and uh, I believe it's a tomb in Angmar. This is something I actually forgot to bring up in our last review of this movie. There's the scene where uh, Gandalf and Galadriel and Elrond and Saruman are all talking at that council. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Gandalf, right. And Gandalf turns around at the end of it and she's gone. And I, I don't think I noticed it before until I was watching it that she was never really there was the point. Oh, like, yeah. She, she never actually left Lorien, right? I thought that was actually really cool. I never, I didn't catch it the first time, but this also just reminded me of that in this movie. 
how she's speaking to him and, and he's hearing her from yeah. where she is in Lothlorien. She's super, super powerful. And I don't think we actually oh, yeah. get to see the extent of her power. We see a little bit of it in this movie of The Hobbit, but I like we really don't, not even in Lord of the Rings, we, we don't see the extent of her power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's got a ring. She's also like a super old elf at this point. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, she's she's crazy strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I like that Bilbo, you know, sensed the sickness in the trees. Thought that was a cool touch. And we know Mirkwood's not in good shape before this point, but this is cool to see. I also really like skipping ahead now, but I like how uh, Gandalf is consistently getting caught and then imprisoned and then having to be released and saved by like a cool group of people or something fun. Get to see some really cool stuff whenever that happens, even though I'm like rolling my eyes, I can see you rolling your eyes at it too. Yeah. My problem with that, it's my problem with this movie. So I'll, I mean, let's talk about that when we get to that part, actually I'll wait. Yeah. I did like the moment where Gandalf actually Bilbo says to Gandalf, um, I found something in the, in the caves um, of the misty mountains. Right. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf, you know, like, what did you find? And and Bilbo's toying with his ring in his pocket. Yes. And he's about to tell him about the ring and basically just decides not to tell him. Where this movie does a good job of showing us the hints of the not the hints, they're pretty obvious, but building up that Bilbo is is you know getting enslaved by this ring, if you will, over time. So what do you think about the Enchanted River scene? I didn't mind it. I thought like I expected. <laughs> I just remember watching and being like, this must be what it's like on mushrooms. <laughs> so I I liked it. I thought it was leading towards something, which it did. Um, I think that seeing uh, Bombo fall asleep was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like on the edge of your seat. Um, and then obviously the subsequent uh, impact that it had on them and how they ended up really just losing themselves and and going around in circles i thought that was hilarious and it was a great lead up to the next scene yeah i liked the dwarves wandering around the different paths and stuff like showing they're kind of lost that was really cool i like bilbo touching the web that like alerts the spiders so really cool callback to pippin and moria yeah you know knocking the the soldier armor down the well and and calling the or the goblins there yeah, that stuff was really cool. A little bit long for a scene, but also I know we're watching the extended edition, which did extend to that scene. Yes. So, you know, yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's that's what you, what you put in extended edition. And spiders are so cool looking in this movie. The spiders are terrifying. I thought the way the web um, reverberated and then the spiders started attacking. I thought that was cool. I really, really, really dislike, really dislike the way the spiders wrap them around in the... Um, in the cocoons and i really hate that scene in lord of the rings where it happens to frodo and he's like so pale and it makes me icky i always fast forward through it because i just can't watch it you hate it you hate it because it's supposed to make you feel that way though right yeah 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 yeah. like oh it makes me feel so icky that i can't watch it and so i was like on edge in this scene being like oh no are they going to like do the same thing but thankfully uh they didn't i loved bilbo being like sting that was really cool that like you know the name and then obviously i love the appearance of the elves i feel like the elves are portrayed in a way that make you love them you're like oh they're so cool so it's really hard not to like 
the elves and especially when they appear and just like beat everyone up. Yeah, there's there's a quick part before the elves where Bilbo, um, I really, really love the idea, which is not in the book. I actually had to look it up because I couldn't remember where Bilbo puts on the ring and then he can hear the spiders speaking to each other. I thought that was such a cool idea that just made them extra creepy. And, and the idea they're communicating and, you know, that you can't hear is so cool. So cool. Yeah. I also like when he drops the ring and there's like this centipede creature that gets between him and the ring. Mm. And it's another, it's another like moment with Bilbo where he looks at the ring and he gets angry because, because he wants to get his ring and he attacks it like really viciously just to get his ring. And I thought that was another little moment that was a really cool buildup for Bilbo. Yeah. I think it was very much the moment where he realized that he's got a bit of a problem on hand. And also <laughs> we got to see the parallel between him and Gollum in that moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I think he's starting to like to get an idea of what, uh, what he saw in that cave in Gollum. Uh, the elves arrive. Uh, it looks ridiculous. I think the, the effects are not great on the elves. Oh, so we're like, well, legless jumps on a bunch of spiders and slides. It just looks CGI. so silly. The CGI was so bad in this movie. Like there were moments I was like, what is going on? It reminded me of legless in two towers when he slides down the shield, which is like, not doesn't look silly in terms of effects look silly. Cause it's dumb. And then there's the scene in Return of the King where he like single-handedly kills that Muma kill, and that looks awful for effects. Like it's just like a weird cartoon flopping around an elephant. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, that's what this reminded me of. And like the problem is it doesn't stop here. There's so every time the elves show up to like fight something, it's just like cartoons everywhere. It's so weird. Yeah. And off-putting. Speaking of the elves, um, this is where I f- like there is so much, and I don't want to be that person, but I'm gonna be that person. You can overlook the differences in Lord of the Rings between the books and the movies because, you know, a lot of it was uh, done for storylines, like for story setting. They stayed true to the books in most cases. It was a great adaptation, in my opinion. I'm offended by the adaptation of The Hobbit into the movies. It just doesn't make any sense and what doesn't make any sense and I know why they did it but like Legolas and Toru neither of them appear in The Hobbit and now they appear in this movie and so you're just like okay well that's I'm gonna chalk it all up to continuity and like building a storyline and weaving the web for Lord of the Rings that's what I'm gonna like you know, chalk it up to because otherwise I'd be really disappointed in introducing characters and then creating this whole thing. Ugh. Anyway, I'm offended. That's all. Technically, Legolas is in the Hobbit. Is he though? One line. One line in the book. Thranduil refers to him. Uh, I think, or it's a description. I think more likely. Um, and he's just like sitting next to Thranduil and it says, "This is Legolas," and this is. Uh, there's actually a big, heavy nerd debate over his hair whether it's supposed to be golden or silver which whatever yeah but like he didn't really play a role like thranduil didn't no, even no, no, really no, no, play much of a role either and even if he did he was like the king of elves or one of the king of elves it's like you really yeah. don't get that insight into why his face is burnt and all that sort of stuff so 
I don't know. Like, yeah. I like it and I dislike it at the same time. I dislike it because it feels like they're trying to create stories to extend the movies and rather than create something good, bits and pieces of it were mashed together to try and make the Lord of the Rings background seem interesting, but then not done very well. And it doesn't hold up. I don't know. It just annoys me. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, by the way. I just, yeah, he's technically is in The Hobbit, but like, yeah, it's so you can get away with it and he's from Mirkwood. But like you said, you have to do an interesting story around that. And one of the problems with this is, you know, I don't have a problem with Toriel, the female elf that they add um, in terms of a character idea. Like, I'm fine with that. Oh, Her yeah. story's not interesting at all is the problem, but same with Legolas. So either drop Toriel, like don't put her in the movie and have Legolas fulfill that role of trying to help or learning to like appreciate the dwarves the way she does and stuff. And that would set him up really well, at least better for fellowship or don't have Legolas in the movie and just have Toriel as your elf in Mirkwood. Like introduce a new character. If you want to do that. Honestly, it feels like her presence is just there as like the, the love interest of a man only and reason. holy hell does that piss me off it's yeah. really frustrating to just place a woman because there really isn't any female characters well, in the, the movie and so they're just like oh wow like let's add some diversity let's not add it in the colors of the people can considering the lack of consistency between the movies and the books why not just add people of color or black and indigenous people especially as in lake your town dwarves? especially which is in like lake a, town. a trading hub yeah yeah like in all of these places and yet we still have white men at least that's what i can see i and haven't dwarves. looked into their background uh, white men and dwarves or white men playing every white elves white men playing every character <laughs> and there's like yeah. no diversity whatsoever which is just disappointing and then just to like put salt in the wound they add Toriel and her entire storyline is the love interest of Philly like come on or is it Killy I can't remember which one's I which think it's Killy but who cares yeah yeah that's frustrating yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Like it's, it's such a waste. Like it's the problem is they add her and then the storyline detracts from the movie. It's not like they add her and gave her really cool things to do. And she seems so cool. Like she seems like she's got so much potential, you know, Legolas. Well, she's a better so actress than Orlando Bloom. I mean, Evangeline just kind of shows a up. great actress. Yeah. Right. That's I mean, like she's, but she's like, really like, I like her when she's on, she emotes well, she does a good job. She's just like, just nothing to do. Like all her scenes are just so corny. Like they're cringy. Yeah. She's a great fighter, which is why I say like she would have had so much potential, but it's so for misogynistic to put in a woman just for diversity and then to just play her entire storyline to be like a love storyline. Like it's frustrating. I'm going to point out two more problems with that. So one, like, because this is an important topic, I think too, like one with her, if you, so Legolas is fundamentally broken in this movie. He is so, there's a scene where he kills probably 50 orcs in a row and at least 30. And like, then you go to him in fellowship and he's like struggling in Moria against some goblins. Like, no, nah, I would say struggling. He never really is, but it's just like, is different. Well, that, I mean, okay. And yeah, and he physically is a bit different too. Obviously that's because he's aged. We're not going to hold that against him, but like, the actor that is but yeah it's just like he's so powerful and like good at what he's doing like there's no learning curve it actually reminds me of star wars we talk about ray where it's like there's no build-up to her being powerful in this legless is just the most powerful character on the screen at all times next to gandalf yeah i think 
I mean, that part doesn't bother me that much. I guess, you know, I assumed Legolas, Son of a King, like really great elf, definitely inconsistent in his abilities between Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. His personality is also inconsistent between Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. You know, in The Hobbit, he seems a lot more on edge, a lot more like like a rule follower. Can I give you a better storyline real quick? Yeah. I think Tariel should have been in his place. Um, and, and like, she should have been the captain. I think she was the captain of the guard, but she should have been like, he should have been younger than her in this story. And she should have been the one that like goes after the dwarves, slowly starts to understand that, hey, dwarves aren't that bad. Legolas should have been the ignorant one. That's like, ah, oh, stupid dwarves. They're so bad. And then she, he should be learning from her the whole movie, then have her die at the end. So that way Legolas learns like she can die trying to save the dwarves or saving some dwarves. Then Legolas learns, hey, look, like they're worth saving too. My mentor is dead, very Star Wars-esque type story. And then that can lead into fellowship. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it just, it just doesn't work the way it's all set up because you have to pretend this doesn't exist when you go to watch fellowship with him. Yeah, I just, it goes back to like all those little inconsistencies, all those moments that I got excited about in the book. Like I feel like they did justice to the way that they did okay with the way that uh, Bilbo like named Sting, but you know yeah. when he found it, I remember in the book like my heart beating out of my chest in so many different places. And when he found Sting, like that was one of those moments where it was like really exciting. So there are some things that I'm okay with, and I'm like willing to give it a pass. But it's just so frustrating because you feel like they made these movies for a money so capitalism rules as usual and b for the like movie fans which is fine but even if you make it for the movie fans you've still made a storyline or background that's like leading into lord of the rings like that inconsistencies there's so many inconsistencies it's offensive from every way you don't follow the book the background to Lord of the Rings is inconsistent in so many ways. And then you like build up all these characters and you add them to the, to the storyline and the storyline just like flops for every single one of these additional characters, every single one. Yeah. Like the Lord of the Rings movies and we'll move on in a moment, but like the Lord of the Rings movies, the stuff they expand on, which isn't a whole lot, but they expand a bit in some areas like adds to the movie or at best, it's like negligible. You're just like, all right, I yeah. love that scene. All right, all right, didn't need that, but whatever. It's pretty quick. We're moving on. This, these movies, it's so bloated that you can't get around it. Like, it's just so much stuff that if you don't like it, we'll buckle up for five to 10 minutes because that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah. I just, not even like, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah. We'll keep moving. I mixed on Thranduil. I, I am okay with them making giving him more to do i'm fine with that that's the way yeah, you expand same. It. i'm okay with that i i kind of like his design he's a bit unique and stuff like that he's a little over the top with like his hand ringing almost like he's a little too villainous it comes off a bit cartoony to me but overall he's kind of cool i did you mentioned earlier um his burned face i thought that was a really cool it was another nod to angmar yeah it was i had no idea elves could do that i think it's just him I think he's so powerful and old at that point. I think yeah, I didn't know that either. I mean, that's probably not even in the book, but I like that idea. I did like like you know, fire drakes in the north are a yeah. big thing um, in the lore. So like, I love that reference. But 
That was cool. I like Thorin standing up to him. That was fun too. Then we get some more cringy love scenes with Toriel and Keeley while he's in prison because the dwarves have been captured by the elves by this point. Uh, Legless is stalking her from what I can tell and just very creepily watching her. Yeah. Which is not enjoyable. The thing I find so funny is how Bilbo was able to get around like the elven kingdom by being hidden because of the ring like that's something that I always found interesting how with the power that all of these elves have do they not realize that the ring was in within their vicinity despite feeling so many different things so like I guess I was shocked that they weren't able to be like holy hell this is here well the ring so the ring's the one thing I give a pass on in Lord of the Rings because it's referenced so many times that the ring wants to be found, can be hidden, can yeah. pretty much affect whatever it wants. So yeah. I'm, I'm okay with them. There is actually is that great scene where Thranduil looks at him yes. and says, like, come out of the shadows. And it's not him. It's uh, Tor- Toriel, I believe, yeah, behind him, Toriel, which I thought yeah. was like, a great little scene where you think he's been seen by uh, Thranduil. But yeah, it's I get what you're saying. I think Hobbit, it is ridiculous, though, because elves, especially these elves, are supposed to be the best possible detectors of anything yeah but, um yeah i don't know I, i'm okay with that it's a pat it's one of those things i'm like that's fine like uh, it's okay yeah i guess you're right i'm okay with changing my mind about that that makes a lot of sense <laughs> so then we get to bilbo stealing a key and getting them out of the uh the cells oh yeah yeah i and- i've always liked that scene i even liked it in the book i love the escape like in the barrels, that was so genius. Can you tell me real quick, maybe I missed this. Why were the elves, like the guards or whatever, like so hammered in the basement? They were drinking, but I don't know why. They just like. Just because. Yeah, like the guard came down and they were like, oh, where are they going to go? And then they put the keys up on the wall and they start just drinking together. Okay, sure. <laughs> I, I may have missed convenient. the whole reason behind it. No. You're probably right, to be honest, because I, I was watching and I didn't catch any line about it but yeah yeah talk about the barrel scene where they escape in the barrels yeah i love i love that scene i love i love the ingenuity of it um again like there's a whole azog thing and or whatever his name is which is not really that great this is where we see legolas and toriel like just kill everything and then the cringiness of trying to save killy and like running up to try and and uh, you know open up for everyone else. I thought it was cool how Legolas was jumping over all of the barrels and doing all this cool stuff. But I guess I see it from your perspective now and like how powerful he is. He's like almost untouchable. But I thought it was a fun scene. I enjoyed it. I also like the scene. It is a fun scene. I think um, I remember when I saw it in theaters and like kind of hit the scene and like just like partway through up being like, well, I mean, it's got to be silly. So just enjoy it. Yeah, Legolas. I, I did. Well, I did like the part where like there's a bunch of elves there and they're all flipping through the trees and stuff. That was really cool. Seeing the elves use the terrain to fight the orcs and kind of cover them all in the barrels. I mean, I said this earlier, Legolas kills so many people. It's just like, it made me wonder like why they even bothered with the fellowship. Like, why weren't they just like, Aragorn, Gandalf, Legolas, you go? Like, I, why do you need Boromir or any of these people? Well, they didn't. They just all came to the council and they all volunteered to be the That's fellowship. True. true. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure he could have saved Boromir, though. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like if he was showing the skills in this movie. Where was he? There was a reason he didn't save Bond. He was, he was on, fight- um, I forget what it's called, but yeah, he's, he was up by like those ruins yeah. with Aragorn and Gimli. But, but if he was as good as he was in this movie, yeah. he would have easily killed everybody around him and just, yeah, it's a problem. That's a, that's my kind of my point where fair. like stuff like that just falls apart when fair. you start looking ahead. Yeah, yeah, fair. And honestly, like that's that's fine if like the plot holes are okay, but when you already have made your other movie and you go to make a prequel and you build plot holes into that movie when you didn't have to, that's a problem for me. That's where I start to lose interest. Azog plot hole in both movies. Uh, all of them, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, so the CGI is pretty bad throughout this whole scene. Some of it works fine. Uh, It's basically anytime they're not just sitting in the river in barrels that it it doesn't hold up. The battle is cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, I like the part where they're like chopping the log bridge as they kind of swim by it and stuff and knocking all the orcs into the water. Yeah. I like uh, the bomber part, even though it looks horrible graphically, um, where he's spinning around. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, all together, it's a fun scene. It's totally, it's it's one of those scenes where I'm like, how do you film this? And then, you know, they do a pretty good job, a good enough job that it works for the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we move on to Dole Gadur again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie gets a little bit tricky to like go in order with coming up because it starts splitting storylines a lot. But um, we hit the part where Radagast and Gandalf are at Dole Gador, and Radagast is immediately a goofy, comical charger pink's character again yeah i mean i feel like we both have different uh, views about radagast like doesn't really we don't learn a lot about him in the book but i feel like they took some creative freedom again and i enjoy the creative freedom that they took with him so yeah we disagree on radagast that's fine um i do like this part where gandalf is discussing the ring wraiths with uh radagast that's cool like a nice that's a nice nod to what they're going to become in lord of the rings that's really cool I like how Gandalf talks about Azog being a commander of war, but I don't know why they didn't just introduce him in this movie. Uh, like he, like he's preluding the fact that a war is coming because which um, makes no sense in the first movie, but because he needs to hunt down Thorin, but then stops hunting him in the second movie. Apparently. Yeah. He just gives up just after gives up. he's almost got him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I don't know. Come on. And then, yeah, that's pretty much the Dol Gadors. Anything to add before, does one be going to Bard next? No, because I'm excited to talk about Bard. So Bard shows up. Uh, the dwarves, you know, they crash their barrels on the shore and they and Bard, the bargeman shows up. Uh, he is also a very crazy good archer who's shooting things out of the air. And it makes me wonder why everybody in Middle Earth doesn't use a bow at this point. Because <laughs> everybody who touches a bow is amazing. Yeah. I didn't enjoy Lake Town. I didn't enjoy the Bard's story. You know, you know, you know from the book that what the Bard's going to do or what Bard's going to do, but he didn't, he didn't get his storyline. So I thought, you know, oh, they're probably taking time to build up his storyline. And then it's just like such a boring part of the book. Like, oh, sorry, the movie, everything related to Lake Town Everything related to the Bard was just not that great. That's another thing that they could have removed. Like, God, all the all the stuff they did with the elves was really fun. Like Thranduil, his face. Yeah. The spiders, all these different scenes, like even leading up to the necromancer, even though in the book, like Gandalf was already aware of the necromancer before he, he uh, goes and, and faces him. But 
And so like, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. But there are some that just make no sense. And one of those is like Toriel and her storyline, because it could have been great, but it wasn't Legolas. And then this, like they tried, they failed, but they kept going and he was boring. Just, yeah, that entire scene made me feel icky. Everything related to Lake Town made me feel icky. I didn't enjoy watching it. I really didn't. I totally agree. In my notes, I have, this is where the movie starts to fall apart for me. I'm okay up to this point. Like there's some things I don't love and I wish they took some different choices, but there's enough there. Again, the elves are fun. And yeah. like, I don't love Legolas and Toriel's uh, storylines, but I, it's okay. Like it, it's enjoyable enough as I'm yeah. watching it. I mean, they mess up Bard immediately because in the book, he's a captain of the guard, not just a ferryman. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it doesn't make any sense why he's so good with a bow. Like there's no explanation like why he's as powerful as he is right now versus in the book, it would make sense because he's a captain of the guard. He's a defender of Lake town and smog attacked this area in the past. They would all be pretty good with bows by this point. That would probably be what they've trained on a lot. Yeah. And not complacent and like, yeah, they, they, they really makes did. No sense. Makes no sense. They really did mess it up. Um, you know, you read the book and you're like, oh, I wish I could learn a little bit more about this. But you're aware, you know, it's all the story of Bilbo. So that's why they don't go into the mm-hmm. backgrounds of a lot of people. So they could do that in the movie. And then they just get the background really wrong. Not wrong in that, oh, this doesn't add up to the movie, uh, to the books, which it doesn't. But just wrong in general that it didn't feel great. It didn't add to the storyline. It was boring. And it made no sense. Yeah. So, again, the biggest problem with Lake Town is we've already seen everything that happens in Lake Town and other Lord of the Rings movies. So for example, we have Alfred who's like this guy, little Weasley dude who's just like an aide to the mayor. Like Rohan. He's Grima Worm Wormtongue from Rohan, exactly, uh, to Theoden in this case. So like it's just we've seen this character. So this is what you're choosing to add, right? A storyline we've already seen who's turning, you know, the political game against our heroes. Okay, literally the first scene in Rohan in Two Towers is that. Yeah, so it's revealed that like some sort of political power is going on, but nobody cares. Like when you're what? You're like, you realize we have a band of dwarves and Gandalf fighting a necromancer. Like who cares about this town? Like, can you show the movie we came to see, please? Like, why is this in the plot? Yeah, it really, it really was a redone, recycled, uh, gray scene it felt great it looked great it was boring like if boring was a color it would be lake town well also like you can tell this is an added scene and added dialogue because within five minutes you get a joke about eating testicles and then a joke about somebody's wife getting around literally with and you're like this was this is not middle earth slash lord of the rings like what is this these aren't even funny these aren't kids jokes so who are these for yeah i don't understand there's that disjointedness again like you can very well tell what's a tolkien storyline and what isn't it's so obvious so obvious yeah i mean then we get our uh stephen colbert cameo which i'm sure you've noticed yeah yeah. Uh, knocking on a wall. Uh, we also missed the Peter Jackson cameo at the beginning. Yeah, the beginning. Care. It's like the first shot of the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's a scene where the dwarves are hiding in a toilet. I don't really, I, at this point, like I'm still checked out of Lake Town because like they're not taking any of this seriously. So why am I? Legolas catches up to Toriel, who's, who's tracking the dwarves because she, I guess, feels some type of way about Keeley. He's been wounded by a, by a poisonous arrow at this point that they found out about. Uh, for some reason, 
Toriel can feel that she's being tracked. That's fine. She turns around and Legless is pointing a bow at her. I don't know why he would do that. That's very weird. So and, weird. Like trying to be dramatic, I guess. Considering he's the one that loves her. Well, also, like he tracked her to the open. It's not like he didn't know it was her. He's just like waiting with his bow until she notices him. It's, he's so creepy in this movie. It's so wild. So weird. And then I also want to point out this at this section of the movie because they've said it a few times. There's two words they use throughout this movie that is very cringy and very awkward. Orc filth and she-elf. They call her a she-elf so many times. I just wondered about the she-elf part so much. Like I just, that goes back to things that just trigger me. And she-elf is a trigger because elf is not masculine or feminine. It's nope yeah it just really makes no sense again it, well it's it's meant to be like the orcs are the ones saying it they're they're saying like find the she-elf get the she-elf and then legless is saying oh all the elves are calling them orc filth so it's supposed to be derogatory to both races like it's it's yeah. only used in terms of negative towards the other race so when you yeah specifically say she-elf and not like some other kind of like yeah filth or whatever it is weird it like singles her out in a weird uncomfortable way that's like not natural in dialogue unnecessary additions yes very much definitely not tolkien-esque um i do like in that scene toriel refers to legolas with the word melon which is the word for friend enough that we discover in fellowship yes which is cool. that's true it's a we nice little nod I yeah. yeah 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 I like the little nods when they were done well. Everything that right. wasn't, I hate. Yeah. Because it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like it, oh, it, like you said, it wasn't meh. It were really, the things that weren't done well were not done well. They're distracting. Yeah. the difference. Like there are parts, and I know we'll get to the actual Lord of the Rings movies at some point, um, which I, we both mostly agree are oh, really yeah. good. Oh, yeah, there's going to be there not definitely... much rivalry in those, in those three. Right, but there'll, but there'll be some flaws that we'll like to talk about and stuff, right? So like, there, I know I have scenes in each one that I don't really like, but none of them, again, are like, I don't get up and leave the room when they're on. You know what I mean? Whereas this, I'm like, do I pause it if I have to go to the bathroom? Like, do I care what's happening in Lake Town right now? It's tough. Oh, my God. The amount of times I was playing Pokemon Go while watching this movie was <laughs> countless, countless. Yeah, so we get some more wasted time as Thorin and the dwarves are captured again, which I did account by this point. It's now the fifth time in both movies that the dwarves have been captured. We have the trolls in the first movie, the goblin town in the first movie, the spiders in Mirkwood, the elves in Mirkwood, and now Lake Town. <laughs> it's embarrassing. They're really bad. They're, They're not very good at their jobs, no. which, which is really funny. Which is so funny um, considering how they talk about their prowess like all the time. Yeah, and I get it. Like they're supposed to like hubris, right? It's supposed to be a thing with them, and they're supposed yeah. to be prideful, and that's part of their downfall. But my God, we're back at Dolgador now again for another round where Gandalf is using his, I guess, uncovering or oh, revealing yeah, magic, revealing, if you will. Yeah, he's revealing the spells that were uh, put on the place, and he can tell there's a lot of magic and weird things going on. So that point that he rescues, I guess, well, he fights him first, but rescues right, so. Thrain. He yes. comes across uh, Thorin's father. Yeah. So that was interesting. He's deranged. Thorin's correct. He's not dead. You know, Gandalf apologizes for assuming he was dead. And he gets freaked out after he wakes him up from the spell, I guess, that was put on him. And he sees the snakes on the wall. 
And I really like that part where Gandalf shook him out of it. I thought that was done well, but we really don't learn. I mean, we do learn a little bit about how he got there, but really doesn't delve into that background. Thought it was an opportunity for actually like a good story there. Yeah. In the book, it's referenced uh, that he is captured. Uh, I think it would have been years before this point. That's fine. Yeah. You can change some stuff like that, but he gets captured and he's tortured there, which checks out for this movie. Um, I know it has something to do with his ring, but I don't quite remember it because he had one of the dwarven rings. Yeah. And it disappears. He uh, Gandalf notices in this scene that he no longer has the ring. And I may be wrong in this, but I think they were trying to turn him into a wraith, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Oh, I don't know about that from the book or not but yeah that's that's a cool scene that's a good addition where it's like okay like th- there's a lead up to this in the book it doesn't go into it heavily and you're gonna do a bit more here that's cool it yeah worked. but it's a scene and and Thrain's background is something that I'm interested in seeing more of so if they did delve a little bit deeper into it and um even do some flashbacks I think that would have been cool I didn't mind the scene I thought it was good uh, and this is all based off of the movies now I'm not comparing to the books anymore because it's completely lost and now it's, off the rails. it's off the rails it's, now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I thought he died kind of stupid like he essentially just gets like pulled into the necromancer and then also do I, you must have heard the awkward scream the wilhelm the famous wilhelm scream which is so out of place it's in this so scene. misplaced it's weird so anybody not familiar there's a famous scream called the wilhelm scream it's in star wars it's in everything you've probably heard it in star wars first though it's, it's in very, everything. very distinct. You, yeah, you've heard it a million times. Google it. It's going to YouTube. I'm sure it's there. But yeah, it is. It, it's a human, though. It's like very clearly a human male in this screen. And it's a stock screen that a lot of movies use. And I have no idea why they put it over an old dwarf screaming. Now, it, it's so weird. It's definitely not what I imagine dwarves to sound like when they're screaming. Well, it. It even like when they play it, like it sounds like there's a scream underneath it, like the actor's actual scream. Yeah. So it's even more like it's too. It's, it's so very weird. weird. Maybe they were just <laughs> trying to exaggerate the scream. Right. It didn't work. You can just like you can ADR that with like anybody else screaming, right? Did not I work. Did not. Gandalf does look cool while he's fighting the necromancer, uh, who also looks cool in that scene. So the way that they show the necromancer. Um, in these movies I thought was really cool it's very slowly leading up to yeah. the eye it's like teasers, um, yeah yeah and I love the fight with Gandalf like it looked super cool like the back and the forth the light and the dark the light and the dark I thought that was awesome and then we get to see the eye and that is so trippy like the way he just keeps going in and out and you're like Oh my God, what am I looking yeah. at? I would not want to be someone who is high in any shape, way, or form watching that part. <laughs> or Radagast. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Yeah, it's a very cool scene. Uh, I do. Here's a really funny observation, though. So after this point, Gandalf gets captured. He gets overpowered by the Necromancer. That's cool. It's fine. Uh, he gets put in a cage. So he's imprisoned in this evil fortress. This is the note I wrote down. Gandalf loses to a powerful wizard. And then he's imprisoned in an evil fortress and he watches an evil hidden army march out. And I feel like I've seen this somewhere before. Yes, Don't you stop have. me. Fellowship of the Ring. So this is another scene where actually we see that in Two Towers. In I, uh, when, when he, he was, uh, so basically at Eisenhower. Oh no, it was, it was Fellowship. Ca- yeah, yeah. It was, it was Fellowship. fellowship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
this is again to my point before of uh, reusing stuff we've already seen. So we already have the Grima Worm Tongue Theoden comparison scene that we've seen before. We have this we've seen before. We're about to dive into the fact that Keely is poisoned by a, a Morgul blade and they have to go find Athelis or Kingsfoil again to heal him. And Elf has to heal yeah. him. But I'm just like, we've done this. We did all of these things yes. in like Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers. So like, again, expand your movie. Great. But don't reuse plots we've all seen and know so well. It, it adds nothing to these movies. Yeah, but it's just so lazy. It's so such lazy storytelling. It's such lazy like directing in that you are reusing storylines rather than actually build. You you have the freedom to build whatever you want so long as it's Tolkien-esque and you just decided to not go Tolkien-esque and to repeat storylines. And to be fair, like in the book, storylines are repeated. It's all war. Someone gets captured. They get released, like all that sort of stuff. But they decided to deviate from the book. And the way that they did it just did not add anything to the movie. It's just going to keep going. If they didn't add anything. It was distracting. Yeah. And look, we know... We talked about this in the first movie. There's a timeline that got changed on them. The original plan was two movies. It got forced into three by the studios. I get all that. So there is a bit of leeway to be given there. I understand that. I would highly recommend to to anybody, Lindsay Ellis on YouTube does a really good background documentary in The Hobbit. Really good one. Where they oh, go, wow. where she goes into, she actually goes to New Zealand, interviews people like actors that were in and stuff. It's, it's really good. And she goes into, um, you know, what happened, like what that looks like, what that process was like. And it's really um, insightful. So again, I get it, man. Peter Jackson, his team, they worked hard with what they, they had. did. Yeah. It's just, it's, but we have to be fair in it. And it's unfortunate when you, I'm okay with a bad storyline. A reuse storyline is not good though. Like that's, that's yeah. really not interesting. Yeah. And it really just undermines these characters. You're just like, come on, Gandalf. You're always going to get captured. Like, yeah. That's do true. you not know better? I also just dislike how Killy got injured. He's I just, dis- yeah. Yeah. I dislike, um, and I think when we're going to get to the third movie as well, I'm going to dislike a few things there. Yeah, I really dislike Killy's storyline. I even don't like Thorin's storyline that much. Yeah, Thorin's storyline is definitely better in the first movie. It definitely gets less interesting in the second. I believe the third one I remember will get there, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we've said what we need to say on that part. But You know what it is? Sorry to cut you off, but they tried to make the movie about everyone. They tried to make it about Thorin. They tried to make like... They also tried to create like these elaborate storylines for everyone when the book is about Bilbo. It's very simple. Yeah. And it's Bilbo's journey with these. It's his perspective the whole time. That's the difference. Yeah. And it's perspective. It's his perspective the whole time. But we we see Bilbo grow throughout the Mm -hmm. entire book and we see him turn into someone he never thought he was going to be. And we do see that in the movies too. Like, I don't want to take that away, but the movies are trying to do too much. They're trying to do too much and they fail at all of it. 
Yeah, uh, and I haven't seen the third one in a couple years at least, but if I remember right, he's barely in it. Like, he has yes. some good scenes, I think, in it, but, like, he's... And I get, and honestly, in the book, he was also barely in the Battle of Five Armies. The difference is the Battle of Five Armies wasn't three hours long in the book, right? So no, it, was, it wasn't. Uh, you know, that's... <laughs> when you're missing him that long on the screen, it's, it's kind of painful, but you're totally right. His perspective, it's all his perspective in The Hobbit. So th- it's... It's again, I like the expanded scope. I love most of the stuff they did with Gandalf and the council and yeah, the Necromancer. I love That's that. the stuff I wanted to see more of. But yeah, it falls apart once they start reusing everything else. And it yeah, because again, that's built on something from the book at least. So yeah. 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 I again I don't mind if they add things so long as it makes sense, but everything that they added just was boring or didn't make sense to me. Yep. Yeah, totally. Well, now we get the dwarves showing up uh, at the Lonely Mountain. Yes. And they believe that they have missed their opportunity to open the door. And they immediately give up. Yeah, that one, that seems interesting. I mean, I feel like it's going to become common. It has become common that the dwarves give up and Bilbo saves them in a way. So we've seen this happen multiple times. That's true. Um, I, I always just dislike this part that they came all this way, like this entire way. And then I think it was cool how Bilbo discovers that it's actually the moon, which is the last light of Durin's day, not the like the sunset. Um, mm-hmm. Love that part. Uh, found it funny how Thorin saved the key from falling down. Hated that they gave up so easily. Yeah, it's weird. It's just so weird. But I think there's like some good parts and then some meh parts about this scene. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I always love like riddles and magic. So that always excites mm-hmm. me. And I like seeing that. It's like Moria, right? Like watching yeah. him fumble with the door. Moria is always fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they get inside, and of course, now we get our big, grandiose scene of Bilbo and Smog. What do you think there? Yeah, uh, so firstly, this is what it's all about. Now we're going to see Bilbo do the thing, which is face Smog. And Smog is, like, terrifying based off of his stories and everything that's going on. Also, CGI holds up really well with Smog, I have to say. He looks great. Smog is the only CGI that isn't too bad. There was like a couple things, but it wasn't too bad. I really, really enjoyed in the book and in the movie, Bilbo's courage. Like, I'm just going to be me and say, like, courage is one of the most important traits that anyone can have. Like, people talk about resiliency, but you don't get up and be resilient if you don't have courage to continue to go on every single day. And I think this is what the story is about. The story is about Bilbo's courage to leave the comfortable home that he had, set out on an adventure when his people would never do that, face a dragon by himself, and then hopefully survive. And so I like this. I liked seeing Bilbo's courage. He's a dang little hobbit. Like he's a great little hobbit. There's two moments in the entire six movies. I, I don't remember. I think it's in Fellowship uh, when Gandalf turns to Frodo. Nope. I think it's actually in Return of the King. I don't remember. To be honest, It's one of them. Gandalf says uh, to one of the hobbits, I think it's Frodo. 
uh, I'll never, it never ceases to amaze me the courage of hobbits. Yes. Um, and that lens repeated in this movie, Balin says that to Bilbo. And I always thought that was really good. And yes, I always, whenever I hear that line, I think about, you know, spoiler alert for the, for return of the King, the ending of return of the King, but like that great moment where Frodo's given up and Samwise says, I can't carry the ring, but I can't carry you, which is like one of the best scenes in all of these movies. Uh, and yeah, you're totally right. Courage is so important. It's such a Hobbit trait. And like they talk, I mean, there's a great line. Uh, Aragorn says a return of the king. You know, there's a, a time may come where the courage of men fails. Yeah. That happens often. But oh, men, and, like, that it's scene so... at the Black Gate is one of right. my favorite scenes. That speech that Aragorn gave. Yep. Um, yeah. You also see the courage of Merry and Pippin again in Return of the King. Yep. Um, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Aon says uh, to... Uh, Mary, she goes, Mary. courage, Mary. She actually says to him, courage, um, yeah. as they go into war. Courage that, for our friends. Yeah. And so I I love the courage that the hobbits continuously show because they don't yeah. have to, and yet they do. Well, it all comes from Bilbo. Like, that's what you just kind of brought up was like it all. That was my point to, to circle back was it all comes from Bilbo's journey and, and Gandalf seeing that in Bilbo to be able to see that in other hobbits yeah. later on when it's important. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. Which is the reason that I like that scene in the first movie where they show you Gandalf meeting Bilbo as a child and showcasing mm-hmm. how he's fearless. You know, he's just doing his little thing and he remembered him because of that. I love the courage that Bilbo showed. It's the point yeah. of the movie. It's the point of the books. It's just the point of the Hobbit. Yep. Yeah, totally. And I think, yeah, the smog scene's great. It's really enjoyable. I love Bilbo trying to find the gem, not really knowing what it looks like. That's a funny that was he's picking up different things. Yeah. I mean, um, I feel him every time I'd see one, I'd be yeah. like, this looks like the one. Well, I mean, the smog's hoard or his treasury is massive. It's just like millions and millions of pieces of jewels and gold. So like it's it's so formidable for him to like find this thing. The Arab uh, thankfully the Arkenstone really excited. <laughs> I love gold. <laughs> I do too. I'm not even Arab, <laughs> but yeah, the the Arkenstone thankfully is like shiny and bright, and he finds it. Uh, has trouble getting it because Smog is you know he basically tries to distract Smog by complimenting him and and lying his way through, which is really great. And Smog knocks the treasure down. He's got to go find it. And eventually, uh, he gets chased out. And for some reason, during this entire scene, the movie decides we'd rather see what's happening in Lake Town yeah. and continues to cut back to the dumbest, most boring plots. One of them is Bard being chased by, I guess, town guards. Like, I, I don't care what Bard's doing because there's a dragon. You just showed me smog and Bilbo in the same room. I don't care what's happening now. His children are also super annoying. Every two minutes, they yell, da at him Duh! which was like Duh! yeah constantly saying thank you it is so distracting and you're just like what what is going on i mean they just saw 12 dwarves coming out of their toilet i'd be confused too yeah right that's true and then the elves show up in lake town because of course they do and you know the dwarves uh basically have nothing to do in this movie i've realized by this point uh they they really don't they have their barrel scene and otherwise they get captured and beaten up and chased the rest of this movie. Yeah. There is a scene at the end, but we'll get to that part. But So this is the part where Toriel randomly walks into the dwarf with the right herb that's required randomly in a place that's all water. There's no plants. Everyone 
is sick and starving, but he managed to find that one herb that is going to save Killy's life. Like how incredible. Just same herb from Fellowship of the Ring. Same herb from Fellowship of the Ring. So bad. I did like seeing Toriel do the magic. Like I I always love seeing the powers and and I I love the elves, but useless scene, really. I don't really want to spend more time on it. Yeah. No, like we have a dragon in the other room. Can we go watch the dragon? (laughs) Like that's the thing I don't understand. The entire point of the movie hits where it needs to be. And they're just like, well, we're done with Gandalf. He's in the cage. So we're going to go to Lake Town now and just watch a bunch of stuff you've already seen before. That's not interesting. Yeah. Like it's so bad for pacing. Yeah, exactly what happened. And then Legless fights Bolg, the orc. Uh, we don't care because Legless can't die. He's in the next trilogy, so we don't. We have no. There's no tension. In this fight. Yeah, there's no tension. No. You're not and worried. He's also killed thirty orcs in a row, like twenty minutes ago or an hour ago. So he he chases him off, and that's the end of Legless for the movie that we see. It's just like there's no payoff in this movie. Like that's the only th- there is at the end with with Smog, and we'll get to that in a moment. But everything else is just like there's nothing resolved in any like interesting or engaging way yeah they create more plot holes than they do wrapping up a storyline really yeah we'll go back to smog i guess right like that's essentially the The end end, yeah the end of the movie bilbo notices the missing scale underneath smog which is going to be important for the next movie in the in the book i don't know if you remember this the thrush is the one that like discovers it like the thrush is actually like a friend of man yeah i I looked it up so i couldn't quite remember and that that was interesting. Yeah, fine change. You don't need that in the movie. No. So double noticing it makes him more important, which is cool. Yeah, I mean they tried to make Bard. I mean Bard is important, but they tried to make him more important, and all they did was make him more boring. I I don't see the point of him at all in this movie. Well, I don't yeah, know he, why Bard he shouldn't have showed up in this movie because you no. know his main purpose is taking down the dragon, and that's his only purpose. That's his only yeah. purpose. And uh, they could have built his storyline effectively in the second one, but they decided to go to Lake Town in this one. And so I guess to them, it's like, well, we have to pass through Lake Town to get to the Lonely Mountain. So may as well bring up Bod. Right. And like, that's okay to introduce him in this movie, but don't make an hour of this movie about him or whatever it is, 30, 45 Oh my God, yeah. And then he, he has even like a lot more annoying parts but even that part i think we we missed talking about it which was um when he basically says he doesn't want the dwarves to go to a lonely mountain and i'm like wait why did you help them then like why did you go to all of this effort you know who thorin oakenshield is well he figured him who it was but Mm -hmm. what was the point of that he just flip-flopped so much it was just so inconsistent again getting ahead of myself it's the same reason they have the Alfred guy who's like Grim and Wormtongue and the mayor of, of Lake Town. It's just an antagonist to have an antagonist. The problem is you have like five already in this movie, right? You have Azog, you have Bulg, you have the Necromancer, you have Smog. Like you don't need more people in the, like it's the same problem again as the first movie. You don't need Azog. You've got goblins that attack them. You've got spiders that attack Radagast. Yeah. You've got... Yeah, you can have generic orcs. That's fine too. Like, like there's so many rock giants. Like, there's so many trolls. Obstacles in their way. So all, like, it's already yeah. written. Yeah. yeah, like so many things to overcome that are interesting. It feels like an adventure when you do it that way. This just feels like the same fights every time. Yeah, it's just it's not very good. Oh God, yeah. So 
we'll go back to smog though, of course. So smog does look really cool when he breathes fire. That's like one of the best effects. That's the time yes. I think it holds up real well. Uh, it's very intimidating, very cool looking. There's a great scene where the dwarves uh, are now inside the mountain because smog um, is trying to kill Bilbo. And the dwarves go in and they find a room of like old parish dwarves yeah. from before that like tried to hide. And that was like a really sad, somber yeah. scene of like seeing their, their kin that didn't make it out. That yeah. was really cool. But didn't he say the last of our kin? That was really yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, that was a great, like, uh, for lack of a better word, humanizing of the dwarves, right? Like that's, I know, those, those are the best moments in the movie. There's very few and far between in this movie. Dwarfenizing? dwarfenizing yeah i mean sure i guess dwarfenizing yeah humanizing because humans show emotion like that yeah i mean dwarves do they're stubborn <laughs> true but they show emotion so dwarfenizing okay i'm, I'm down with that sure i know okay yeah can, i know you didn't suggest it i suggested it so i'm down that's with it fine sure. you can you can make that t-shirt yes so what did you think about the mine chase when smog's chasing the dwarves through the mine thought it was cool didn't really think much of it i guess like i just hate that the movie ended in at that point where we are just like what's gonna happen with smog and the dwarves and bilbo and like i get why they do that i just yeah i just got annoyed at that scene yeah i liked the idea of having the dwarves fighting in the mine and using like the mine against smog yeah. that was a fun way to use dwarves and like their own yeah. weapons and stuff that was a neat and they didn't have any weapons right so that was cool i like that idea a lot it drags on a little bit but it's still kind of cool i didn't like how they hid behind the columns and the dragon fire didn't get to them i was like Come there was on. Uh, yeah it was i did notice that there's a lot of inconsistencies in what the dragon could destroy and what like just stopped him a little bit or slowed him down like First of all, this is like dwarven stone, right? So it should be like the strongest architecture there is, which is fine if you want smog to just kind of smash it to show how powerful he is. But again, like some of it would slow him down. Some of it would stop his fire. Other stuff wouldn't. And it was just kind of like, what? I don't understand like when they're safe and when they're not. And I guess maybe that's kind of the point, but I don't know. It just seemed more consistent than anything. Yeah, fair. I agree there. What did you think about the um, the gold trap they lay on him? I like the gold trap, but like, come on, dudes. It requires time to cool down to actually become a prison. Like y'all are supposed to be miners. You're supposed to know this stuff. True. I, I looked at it more as like they had no other idea what to do. Yeah. So there's like, maybe this will hurt him. That maybe was he'll cool, leave though. or something. That was yeah. cool. I, I did like how he was covered in gold. That was oh, pretty looked cool. great. But then I love gold. Effect was great. Yeah, yeah, it was a great effect. <laughs> And then yeah, he and just flies out, which was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about him flying out and how the movie ends. What do you think? I mean, they put up a good enough fight for what they had, which is nothing. And then he just goes, well, I'm a go kill Lake Town. And then that's it. And you're like, dang it. I love that cliffhanger, to be honest. Normally I'm like, oh, come on. But I, I loved it. Maybe because I thought it was done really well. So like Bilbo kind of stumbling out and smog quoting to himself which i believe is from the book where he says i am forget the first part he says i am something then he says i am death and then bilbo yeah he's like what have we done and there's like great shot of smog yeah. like flying towards lake town and yeah bilbo says what have i done and like that's then just cuts like that i thought that was really I mean, scary yeah no i didn't think it was scary 
I mean, I like all the scenes with Smog. There's really not many scenes with Smog that I don't like. And I like the concept of the dragon. I love the way Bilbo uh, stands up to him. I love Thorin's madness when it comes to trying to find what he needs or what he wants. I don't really care for those types of cliffhangers because you're like, oh, they're going to end at this. They're going to end at something with the, the dragon. And then they do. And I don't know if it's just this movie. I think the scenes were fine. I just hate cliffhangers like that. That's fair. I think ending it with what happens to Smog in the next movie, I just think would have left me not caring about the next movie is the problem. Yeah. Because it's the thing is like the Hobbit could technically end there. The book that is, yeah. right? it doesn't for, you know, Tolkien goes on for more stories, but like you don't have to stop it there. Right. Like yeah. you could have, but you could have to me, like if that's where it ended, I wouldn't feel the need to see the next one. I'd be like, well, they did what they set yeah, out to do. Fair. Right. But that's the only thing keeping us going. Like you'd want, you'd well, want the problem the story is it's three hours long. Push, yeah. You'd want to be <laughs> right. so keen about the story that you want to see it. The only reason you want to see the next one's like, okay, well, smog's gone. Like, how are we going to keep going? They really didn't have much to stand on. I agree. Because you think about um when Gandalf fought the Balrog and you're just like, okay, cool. So I like that they did that because it wasn't essentially where the movie ended. You know, mm -hmm. they kept going and then he comes back when Merry and Pippin are in the forest with the ant, right? So I really don't like the way this movie ended. It just didn't, it just, it just felt like it was like, hey, we have no other reason to keep you coming back and yes. we're just going to do this whole thing. So I was like, meh. I'm so meh well, about it. I hate that he ended there. I like it because of the situation with these three movies. I don't like it because I don't want three movies. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's more what it is. I yeah. think like if we're looking at it in terms of what we have, like what our choices are, I'm fine with it. If I had the option of wiping one of these out, putting smog, the encounter with smog, I would cut it down a little bit and then have it like in the middle of this movie. And then yes. the last hour and a half can be your battle of five armies. Cause I, I mean, again, I haven't seen the next one in a long time, but I don't need three hours of a battle. I just don't like that's it works in Lord of the Rings because there's so many characters involved and it's literally the fate of Middle Earth. This is just like five armies fighting where I don't really care about a lot of the characters. So I just kind of I don't know. It doesn't do a lot for me when I watch it, if I remember from before. So, yeah, yeah, it's just you don't need it. You articulated that really well, right? Like it's more about these things that didn't need to happen. And I think that- Can you name the five armies? No. I mean, it's exactly. the orcs, the elves- Can you name the, the armies at the end of Return of the King? Oh yeah, but like- Right. But there's a there's an investment there. You... Exactly. That's my point, yeah. right? Like there's so much, you can name every character at the battle. Oh yeah. And, uh, right? And you can't do that here. Well, it's the like, same that's... as Marvel and DC again. You know everyone in Endgame and you know their story, but in DC you're just point. like, ugh. I know of these characters, but I don't really care. So it's the same thing here. Yeah. I know who the armies are. I just don't care. I would, you, you'll, you'll disagree and that's fine, but I would almost use the analogy of Star Wars where some of the trilogies pay off better than other ones. So Fair. it's easier for me to, Fair. but that's whatever. Like the point is the same, right? Like we, there's, it doesn't really work in this movie. If we cut out the third movie, if this ended here, like just do the, yeah, cut out all the legless and Toriel stuff and the Lake Town, like a half of Lake Town. And then the movie could have ended battle. here. Yeah. Or, or just 
add the addition of smog at the end, like the actual smog battle from the next movie and then ended there. I could see Done. it being two movies at max. I think it could be one movie, like one very long movie. Uh, but I'm okay with two. But I would have been okay with two now that I've seen the second yeah. one again. Because um, the first one works. I like cliffhangers. I don't like cliffhangers for the sake of nothing. Like it, it just felt like... that scene was good. I hate a cliffhanger that just keeps you coming back because it's a cliffhanger and not for not any other reason. Um, And I have no problem with that scene, but I hate all these deviations. And I really just dislike how you felt meh at the end of the movie. It's interesting too, because I remember a lot of people saying when they first watched Lord of the Rings who hadn't read the books and didn't really know the backstory and, and what it was all about thinking that the end of the first movie was when they would destroy the ring. Like they thought that was the end. They didn't understand that three movies was that entire journey. So it's interesting to hear how these got expanded into three movies, whereas the original Lord of the Rings definitely should have been three movies, obviously. Yeah, but it was three books. Right. That's what I mean. That's why that works so well. Yeah. So many people didn't know that when they watched it and they were like disappointed because they're like, oh, now I have to watch another two or another, at least another one to see the ending. They didn't feel like it ended. You know what I mean? So it's interesting how we're talking about that now, though, with The Hobbit, where you're saying the same thing. You're like, this doesn't end. Even though I know there's another movie coming, I, I hate that this part didn't end. You know yeah, what I mean? like, or if it didn't end, why did you put so much effort into the fighting with Smog in this movie when you could have probably split it between this movie and the next movie rather than the entire You're right, you cut the entire mine out. You're right, and you've just bought yourself 20 minutes right there of a yeah. battle at Lake Town, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's so much you could just remove and yeah. cut this down to like I don't, almost all of it. I don't mind the mind scene. It didn't trigger me this way. Yeah, I, don't I, mind I, it I like yeah. I like different pieces. But of if it. you had a choice. But if I had a choice, I would have liked to see more of them trying to take on Smog in the mine. And I wouldn't have minded if they pushed that to the next movie so that the next movie could be Smog dying. And it, you see the, the dwarves fighting him. And then straight after that, it's like going into the Battle of Five Armies, like split the next movie if they're going to do that. But preferably would have either liked to see it fully be in the next movie and have like some nice time on it or just end it in this movie by removing other stuff. Yeah, the problem, well, let's just say the problem the Hobbit suffers from is multiple characters. Like, again, they leave half the dwarves in Lake Town for no reason. Like, I understand Keeley's hurt or whatever, but in the book, that doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. But that's all, because right? that's because they don't mm-hmm. go through that. I'm not going to say what happens. I know. Like, they bring in, but they bring in, like, you know, that's the whole plot with Tori yeah. and Legolas, which aren't in the book. I so if you drop say, that. The last time I read the book was, like, eight years ago. So even my memory of the book is well, really sure, bad. But I did, it like, fact-checking as I was watching okay. this. Because, again, I haven't, I haven't read the book in so long too but as we said we know toriel wasn't in the book she definitely I, wasn't you know was teasing about legolas being in there for one line which he is but he's not in the book essentially he's referenced so like you don't need any of that like you said cut out most of lake town cut out that mine scene put all the dwarves in moria and like you've it's the frustrating part is the first movie is pretty good about following the beats whether you like them or not how they handle it that's fine the second movie just foregoes all that and makes a worse movie because of it. Like, like we're saying it's boring and it cuts off at spots that you don't want to cut off at. Right. And, and it's, it's like you, you could have avoided all that. A whole heap of inconsistencies that don't even tie well into the Lord of the Rings movies. And then they definitely don't tie very well into the rest of the no. Hobbit story. 
so yeah, like it's safe to say, it's fair to say that this wasn't a great movie. I felt like the first one surprised me in that I liked it when I watched it and I liked the effort they put into building a story, knowing that Azog was not even a part of it didn't bother me as much as this movie did. Like, of course- It's more of a relief in this one. Yeah, it's more of a relief. And like, I don't like his addition period to these movies, but it was fine in that they did a buildup and you expect something big from him. You expect something like to happen in this movie. And all we get is like these- overall scenes where our heroes are Legolas and Toriel and then we get to the mine at the very very end of the movie and they meet Smog at the very very end of the movie and they only spend a very short period of time or like actually probably like 20 minutes on it when it felt like the entire movie was boring until they get to Smog. Well, the length is the problem. It's a, it's a literally a three-hour movie. Holy. Like, literally. Lord of the Rings yeah. is longer than three hours. Sorry, Return of the King is longer than three hours, and that was so enjoyable. Yeah, it ended too many times. That's the one part I will agree with on people. Like, it's a bit of a drag ending, but I'm okay with that because I like Lord of the Rings. So Same. I'm just like, I enjoyed this, but I can see why people don't totally understand that. This movie, again, like, it's just, I'm okay, honestly, with three Hobbit movies if they're all two hours. Like cut enough of this garbage out and they give me three movies where it's six hours total and it works. The problem, and I know it's not Peter Jackson's fault, is that studio came knocking and said, nope, you're doing three movies, three hours, just like Lord of the Rings. That's what we want. That's what you're doing. And so he had to stuff content, and, you know, yeah. where we are now. So I guess I'm going to end it there rather than rage. This movie is significantly worse than the first one. It doesn't carry on with the storyline really well. There's a lot of inconsistencies just in and amongst the movie with The Hobbit, the book, which is fine because at this point I've just given up on it being similar. I think it takes its own path. And then Mm -hmm. just inconsistencies with all the Lord of the Rings. So the movies at least. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I really didn't enjoy this movie. I was bored in a lot of scenes and I'm excited to see what happens in the next one. I agree. You summed all of it up. There's there's some things here I like. I wish there was more necromancer stuff with G- Gandalf's actually barely in this. Now I think that yeah. Lake Town is trash. It's it's the worst part of this movie. It's the most boring part Garbage. of maybe all the movies. It's just Rubbish. so, yeah, it's it's not great. So, Abir, where can they find us? Where can they reach us? Where can we get their feedback and their comments? Yeah, if you want to send us some feedback, if you want to give us some suggestions, you can find us on Twitter at The Rival Reviews. That's with an S at the end. You can send us an email to rivalreviews2021 at gmail.com. And so you can go to our Twitter and you can see our email contact there as well. Please keep it civil. We do have feelings, I do at least, Sam, debatable. Yeah, so we're launching on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Basically, anywhere you're listening right now is where you're going to find the next episodes. So definitely, you know, follow, subscribe, whatever your platform asks you to do. If there's a notification button, make sure you're hitting that, and you will definitely be getting our next episodes as soon as we launch them. Thank you. Bye. Bye.